Hey everybody, welcome back to the Three Cast. I'm your host Matthew Weber. I'm joined by Vincent Hui. How are you doing, Vince? I'm uh, not vaccinated. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'm not vaccinated. I'm sorry. I'm losing what track of time now, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't worry. I'm not actually vaccinated yet either, but I could be if I, you know, wasn't so lazy. Um, I, they were offering appointments like once a week or something. Yeah, they're giving out vaccines for like, you know, for nothing. And I think for free in America. Yeah, hundred okay. percent free. Yeah. And, so, so, and in so, fact, yeah. one of the companies got in char- got in trouble because they started charging. Oh. Because the really? government the government went through and actually bought all the vaccines here and just and just passing them out. Oh, see, see, I gotta I gotta hit my age group because uh, right now they're. They're just finishing off doing all the 80-year-olds and the 70-year-olds, and uh, eventually they're going to get to my age. So it's it's ridiculous how uh, America, you guys stepped up, and we were just doing this before the recording. America stepped up, and Canada's kind of dragging. But let's talk about something other than COVID, man. Yeah, all right. So what we decided to do today is we're going to try to talk about sequels. So uh, just recently, Netflix paid almost a half a billion dollars for two Knives Out sequels. Now, we... We reviewed Knives Out, Vincent. It was an yep. okay movie. I really liked it. You had mixed feelings, yep. if I remember right. Yeah. And yep. you know, it was a, it wasn't a horrible movie, but it didn't doesn't deserve a half a billion dollars for two sequels. But the, I, 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 it got me thinking. Uh, if we could try to go through and just name a few of our, not only our favorite sequels, but maybe a few sequels that were actually truly successful and and i think when i'm talking about sequels i'm not talking about like series so like when i talked about uh the halloween movies before we started recording that's kind of like a series but that you're right they're all those are all really self-contained i'm talking about like true series where the true sequels where like the story is continued like you mentioned back to the future um national treasure kind of falls into this even though those are kind of self-contained um Definitely, the sequel in that me- in that mess did not work out at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like you're gonna, I mean, let's go ahead and just name a few of our favorites. So, what are your favorite sequels, Vince? I've, okay, well, you know my, you know my, I'm a Godfather fan, so you know. I'm gonna it's gonna be Godfather two, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. But I mean, uh, to be fair, I like Godfather one more than like Godfather two. I think that goes for a lot of uh, sequels. Um, obviously, another sequel that people always love and hold in, in high esteem is uh, the sequel to the original Star Wars: New Hope. There's The Empire Strikes Back. Everyone loves that. Um, but but if you don't mind me jumping into this really quickly, I, I think one thing that's really kind of problematic with sequels is that the expectations. The reason why sequels come about is because people really had I kind of shine into the original, right? And 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 obviously the studios catch on to that because it made big bucks. So on the one hand, you have this desire to fulfill fan expectations, but I would say that's secondary to the bottom line for the uh, movie studios, right? And if you take a look at some of these movie studios, right? Like you look at, say, Godfather Part Two, right? Well, that was just made to be a self-contained sequel to the success of Godfather. So, you know, that movie was done right. I'd say that sequel's done right, where it's like it's fan balancing as well as like it did a good job in the box office, right? But it didn't say I'm gonna do Godfather three. It didn't leave that door open to oh, you know what? Just in case I can squeeze more money out of this thing, there's gonna be a sequel and there's a teaser at the end for the for the for the Godfather three. Godfather. Three didn't come out until, like, quite frankly, a long, long time after Godfather 2. So so I think that that's a very good example of how the sequel was actually good and self-contained. The problem is that we see movie studios driving the real bus on, on this one where 
Uh, and I was talking about, you know, uh, say Star Wars. And, and I like Star Wars, too. But like when, when the success of Star Wars came about, George Lucas and Fox at that time said, you know, we're going to make two sequels. We're going to make Empire Strikes Back. And then three years later, we're going to come out with uh, Return of the Jedi. Or at least at that point, it was Revenge of the Jedi. Right. So they, they had an idea of like this. is We didn't know the story, but we're going to make money. Right. Like, that was the crazy thing. Now, that wasn't too, too bad as a kid. I remember that. And I was like, OK, good, because there's a lot of story and it made sense. But then. And, and this is where, you know, Matt, prior to recording, we were talking about the, the turning point for a lot of sequels um, well, and then the most overt instance where where sequels were made in the interest of just squeezing money was the Back to the Future series. Back to the Future with uh, Michael J. Fox back in the day, few, huge movie, right? Um, and I think that one thing that was really successful about it was the kind of appeal to go back in time and just like, you know, revisit these different eras. When Back to the Future 2 came out, they knew that they were going to come out with Back to the Future 2 and 3. And Back to the Future 2 came out and it went to the, it went literally went from 1985 to the future. And it also went to the Wild Wild West. And the really bad part was that it ended with literally like a to be continued in Back to the Future 3 at the end. And, and I remember people throwing uh, drinks at the screen, groaning and complaining that it was just like such a money making thing where it seemed like you could have told a decent story in like one movie but instead you decide to drag your feet and hang on the wild wild west and just really protract something to just squeeze money out of a, a, an initial good movie right and then we saw that to a lesser degree of, of dissatisfaction um or at least reaction uh with say for example big blockbusters like the matrix matrix made a ton of movie ton of money in like the late 90s and uh, was it late 90s? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I want to say late 90s. And then it came up with all the other sequels, right? Um, and it was so evident that the the second sequel, sorry, the sorry, the first sequel to Matrix was like, oh, it's okay. And the third, the third one, the second sequel, it was really lackluster, right? And it was very clear that like you know something was wrong. So in in the interest of the industry or the movie houses making the movie to make the money. It kind of alienated this, the, the fan base, and that's a huge problem for me. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people are very skeptical about the success of those franchises. Like you're talking about that Ryan Johnson uh, sequel thing with Knives Out. Like the reality is that now that we know that he's on the hook to make two sequels to that movie, what do you think is really going to be the storyline that would be worthwhile in the sequel, knowing full well that there's going to be an inconclusion, right? Like like a like a non inconclusivity, right? For lack of a better term, right? Well, the only way it works, the only way it works is if they're self-contained, like we we're talking about. Like if they just bring back um, Daniel Craig as the with a terrible accent, mm-hmm. and it's just two more movies with separate like um, who done it things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the reason why Knives Out worked was because it was making fun of itself it was a, a kind of a parody of clue mm-hmm. um you know and that's the reason why it worked i don't know how you take that from being about you know a parody of itself and you know making funny and you know leaving clues throughout or whatever to having it be like a detective series like alex cross or you know um whatever you know it's i mean it's gonna be really weird well, I, I mean, I, I think that you're, you're right. Like, I think that a movie by itself kind of lampooning certain facets or at least being kind of uh, a bit of a parody uh, works like with, with what you said with Knives Out. But I, I then when you said that, I thought, oh, yeah, you're right. Because, like, I think about the Austin Powers series, right? It's, like, it's not even like a horror or a drama. It's it's straight up. It's it's a comedy. And uh, 
it's a parody comedy at that, and and he, th- it was it's actually been able to make a lot of money. Um, I don't know how many sequels. It was three, two sequels, right? Two or three, yeah. Yeah. So my my sense is, uh, they again, I don't know if Austin Powers series was like, okay, we're gonna make another one and see if it's good, and then make another. I think that's maybe per, perhaps for me that's more of a conservative approach, right? Um. I, I don't know what it does to benefit a studio to announce, right? Like, I don't understand why Netflix would announce, hey, we got Ryan Johnson for two sequels, right? Because if, if it was able, if they were able to slow play it, like, it would make more sense to me, both in terms of fan expectation and from the movie house, to say, okay, we got Ryan Johnson for a quarter of a million dollars to do the next sequel. And if it's successful, right? Like, here's the thing. If it's super successful, you're going to make a lot more money, so you can afford to say, yeah, the next one, we're going to pay him the same amount, Right. Or if it's like, yeah, you know what? He didn't do so much. Guess what, Ryan? We're going to only pay you like, uh, I don't know, $200,000 to do the sequel. Or we don't do one at all, right? And and go on a high note. So that yeah. to me is strange where you have movie houses going, yeah, we're going to sign this guy up for like, I don't know, two, three movie sequels, right? Uh, that that's that screams like old school movie house actor stable from the old yeah. days, you know? And it's such a risk on Netflix part because, I mean, if you think about it, Vince, it's really rare for a director to come out and have like two or three successes right in a row i mean yeah and especially ryan johnson's kind of like pocket yeah, I mean, a little bit he did the he did the star wars and people absolutely the yeah they hated yeah. it right yeah. and then they get knives out was kind of like his um his, his return to greatness or whatever but i mean the chances of him actually going through and creating three movies right in a row that are you know worth a half a billion dollars payout yeah um, i mean it just it, i mean it's just really rare. i mean and the the ones that can do the whole you know create movies one right after another that are really good i mean they're really rare <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I mean i mean you're, you're looking like i got um i mean I, how you can't even really name them i mean there's like maybe francis ford coppola or something i don't know yeah um, exactly like yeah, people the, skilled in the craft. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's the big names that are gonna. It's not gonna be like, I mean, yeah, I mean, technically he's a big name, but he's not, you know, like Hall of Fame level kind of director, yeah. you know. So it's it, it's such a it's such a risk and a, it's a lot of money. I mean, if they, they'd said two hundred million dollars for two, like you know what? Fine. But, you know, but wait, wait. But is that is that for the movie production or is that straight up to like Ryan Johnson's pocketbook? I'm assuming now. This is a complete assumption on my part that the reason why it cost so much was because they also got uh, Dana Craig to come back for both of them. Um, so okay, I'm assuming I'm, that I'm, I'm assuming part at, of his, his money. Because yeah. here's my yeah. Because I don't think it can all like, to me. That's like NFL money, right? Like like you know, in, in the span of like two or three years to make a, a film. Okay, I'm gonna say two well, like, years for Netflix. Apple right? gave J.J. Abrams like 500 million dollars or something. I think it was Apple. Uh, for their Apple TV thing to like make them several like somethings. I mean, they didn't even they didn't even like tell him what he had to make. They just gave him money to be exclusive to them for a while. That's that's kind of like what this kind of feels like. Like he's going to be exclusive for two. I, this is what he's going to be focusing on for like next two years or something. I don't know. It's but really I, weird. I can, I, but but my, you know, Matt, I can see like someone saying, look, I'm paying you two hundred thousand. Sorry, two hundred million dollars for the next two years to ensure that my IP or all of my IPs or whatever I've got is good. But to say, oh, no, it's solely this Knives Out yeah. franchise, uh, that sounds crazy to me. Like, I, I'm, and the more you describe it, the more I'm thinking either that's a production value thing 
Because, you know, we, we always talk about the Game of Thrones series, which was, like, arguably the biggest, like, you know, production uh, for, for a syndicated TV show or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was still, like, I don't know how many million dollars an episode, right? Um, I, I and, and, you know, I, I can't see that compared to, like, the amount of money that would be thrown at, say, a movie, especially the Knives Out. It's not like Knives Out is, like, Star Wars, where there's, like, special effects out every 10 seconds or, like, that there's, like huge 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 actors on it like sure you got some b-list people like you know don johnson and you know uh uh uh, what's the girl from halloween called again um oh crap the one that played maggie i don't i don't remember yeah or like you know all those people or like you know captain america sure i mean maybe you got like cameo-ish things but but they can't possibly command that much money to to be at the point where oh the director like i don't even think steven spielberg arguably one of the biggest you know name you know, uh, movie producers and stuff right. and directors. I don't think he gets two hundred million dollars for a movie like that, or even a hundred million dollars well, a movie, well, right? Probably not. A, probably not up front. He probably gets like you know whatever, huh? and and then he makes it on the back end or whatever. Um, but I mean, I don't think that the. I mean, we're we're kind of getting into the trench of the the money, but I don't think that that five that half a billion dollars is going to account for the entire cast or whatever. I, I mean. What do yeah, you, but, I mean, because it, it there's like, no way. Look, 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 look. Okay, come on, man. Like outside of like Avengers money, right? Like look right. at your typical movie. They're they're like what making at most like what Six, sixty million dollars, maybe. Yeah, like at best like sixty to hundred million dollars, right? right? You're telling me that there's a profitability in Netflix? Like, I mean, I don't know what they're making. Um, but like I, I look at the box office draw, right? Um, sure, you're you go there to see one movie. And then certainly with Netflix, it's like, yeah, you can see a whole bunch of things. But to have like a, a kind of flagship IP, I wouldn't even say that Netflix's kind of uh, flagship IP would be, um, you know, uh, Knives Out. I would say like if you're going to think Netflix, you think about like the various comedy series, maybe like uh, or the drama series or like whatever, like the, the, the flavor of the month thing, like Tiger King. So I don't see it as like, oh, because like, Disney does that, right? Disney says like, you want to watch The Mandalorian, you got to get Disney Plus. Or, you know, there's yeah. this new Mulan movie, it's exclusive to this, right? We see that happening, right? Well, but, they, I, I mean, the thing is though, Vince, everybody has Netflix. You're not going to be drawing in a ton of new people. So I mean, it can't be for, I mean, the only way it's for like the subscriber is is for retention, right? To keep people subscribed. It's not gonna be for new people. So the 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 original Knives Out, the budget was 40 million, mm-hmm. and you know that most of that's gonna have gone to the cast or whatever. I mean, there was, I mean, there was no overhead for like you know explosions or whatever. I mean, there was like one uh, car chase. Driving like seat, a, yeah. Uh, that car chase was like in what was she driving like a a, a Prius or something? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, 40 million dollars. It made uh 311 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. So. Um, even if the sequels do, I, get, plus this is Netflix, so um, it's not like if it's gonna appear. I mean, are they gonna bring it to like movie theaters? I mean, is are movie theaters even still a thing? I mean, this was before COVID, so yeah, yeah. You know what? It's it's funny because rather topical too. I don't want to sidetrack this, but uh, I can't remember. Someone had signed a, Sony signed a deal with someone to have all of their stuff distributed over. Uh, like it was exclusivities because Sony saw the writing on the wall and they said since none of our movies are going to come on theaters or very few theaters, uh, they signed a deal with someone. I can't remember I which streaming Net- service. I think it was, was Netflix. It Netflix. Okay, I yeah. So yeah, so that that's smart, I, I would say. And and you're right. Like you know, is the future just simply sitting on your butt at home streaming? But I still can't rationalize 
spending that amount of money on a franchise, maybe like on a, on a large franchise, like if it was like, look, we need you to do the next five seasons of Breaking Bad, like, you know, yeah. prequel or something. I'd be like, OK, cool. I can get that. But we're talking about like two separate movies. Like you're talking about you know, if you're saying that the production value is like what you said, like what, 10 million or 30 million. How much was the production? Like 40, 40 million, million on the original. 40, yeah. 40 million for like, you know, that 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 movie. Even if you said, okay, we're going to get, like, superstar guys, we're going to get, like, Tom Cruise to make a, a supporting actor or whatever, like, expensive actors, right? And and even if you had, like, lots more explosions, like Michael Bay stuff, you're still not going to get to the point where it's, like, going to be clearing, like, $100 million. Come on, well, man. All right, yeah. All right, let's, interesting. Let's look at Avengers budget. I'm just looking. Because Avengers had a t- – I'm just very curious. Um because I mean we're good. I mean we really got into the weeds on the whole money thing, but I mean it, it's just because it's so shocking that they so the budget for uh, the Avengers was 220 million. So I mean, but the Avengers had uh they had um Robert Downey Jr. They had all these you know Big Samuel games, Jackson. Yeah. Is all, I mean huge names. So the vast majority of that's going to be you know cash Salary, stars. Yeah. I, I mean. Robert Downey Jr. made like what fifty million dollars or something. I think I, I may pull that on my ass, but it seems like he made a ton of money just on one of those mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, all right. So we, I mean, we we talked the, the life out of the Knives Out thing because it was like I said, it was just so shocking. Um, but in in terms of sequels in general, I was thinking because you're right. The reason why sequels are a thing is because the original was so good, right? And it, it's the re- or or, or not necessarily so good, but so popular, right? And it's the reason why there's been 12 or 15 or 300 Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody liked the original. They got invested in the fast cars and, you know, skippy-dressed women. I mean, but that, but wait, wait, Matt, in those movies, are they – but aren't they self-contained? It's not like you watch Fast and Furious 3 and you go, oh, crap, at the end it's like, hey, there's a new but, mission in uh, but, another city. Outside of, I, I think, the Tokyo one, which yeah. everybody – I mean – if you want to talk about a sequel that just completely bombed, that one definitely did. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like they said, like, like let's get rid of everyone that made the series good, and Six do it. You know, yeah. you know, the, you know. So that one definitely bombed. But I think outside of that, the storyline is uh, like there's a story that goes along with it, but you could watch like in the middle and not really feel that. But I mean, it's easy to do with something like Fast and the Furious because there's no good story to begin with. You're there for the cars. You know, you're there for the fast races and the action scenes and jumping out of tanks and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reason why if you enjoy those movies, and Ricky obviously enjoys those movies, um, you're there for the action scenes. You're not there for the I – mean, it'd be like investing in Call of Duty because the story is so good, you know? <laughs> um, so – but the, the okay, thing so I was saying – go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, like the things I was saying was that um, it, it, it's those uber – successful franchises that kind of spawn out of one movie. So uh, Fast and the Furious is, is, is one. I think that they tried to make like National Treasure into a series, but, you know, it, it just kind of fizzled out. I blame um, John. I blame, I blame, honestly, I blame Nick Cage for that one. Come on. That, yeah, that, that, his yeah. acting was is kind of losing. He's going, he's taking on weird. His agent should be fired. I'm just putting well, it out there. You gotta remember, he went bankrupt, so he had to do crappy movies to make money. Yeah. Um, but but there there are several ones there there's these mo- the movies that start off as one movie become popular 
and then they need to be squeezed out. So it's, it's not something like Harry Potter. They knew that they were going to make seven or eight movies. That uh, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. They knew they were going to make three movies out of that. Um, the, Ho- uh, the the Hobbit. They knew they were going to make three movies out of that, which was dumb. But I mean, they knew that ahead of time. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's the movies that, like I said, are spawned out of one movies and then continue on forever. Those tend to l- have different kind of followings than like traditional sequels like but but that's the thing i was trying to get at though like if you look at the way movie like we, we did this before when we were talking about just like movies in general like if you look at any year in the last like decade or so of, of like the top grossing movies they're oh, 70 to 80 percent of the movies are sequels or based on some sort of big ip that existed already in literature or something else right like mm-hmm. whether it's like the the Hunger Games stuff or like the Harry Potter and Star Wars thing or the Marvel stuff, it's always built upon like an existing IP, which brings me to the problem where like if you anchor it to those like the, those IPs, like we saw it successfully done, say, for example, in uh, say Harry Potter when Dumbledore died in the middle of like, you're supposed to be a five movie series, right? Or seven movie series, whatever. And the guy dies and it's like, let's replace him with another old white guy. And there's fortunate to do that. But look, let's look, take a look at Black Panther. Huge, huge movie, critically acclaimed, made a lot of money in the box office, and then unfortunately, right, the star dies. And and now it's like, yeah, we're still going to proceed with Black Panther 2, and it's like, ooh, how do you watch that movie without fully being aware of the fact that the dude died? Like, even same thing with Star Wars. Like, like uh, Carrie Fisher died in the middle of making – like, the what, right right after they made the success of the, the first of the – of the sequel trilogy movies so so when people die you know the the whole notion for the movie house is on like oh crap like from the fan perspective it's bad because and that right there is where vince cut off because skype is absolutely horrible so we had to hang up call start recording again so starting here in just a second we're going to see the second half of the show thanks for listening so but the issue with Black Panther is when you have a movie that is so incredibly successful from multiple facets, like, you know, it's a blockbuster, it's acclaimed by, you know, audiences around the world, right? Um, the actor has been given great accolades. You know, when movie houses invest in not only the IP, but also like the main actor and they die, whether it's Carrie Fisher in Star Wars or the guy in Dumbledore, like I said earlier, um, you know, you got, you got like the poor guy in Black Panther, he dies. And then what's the studio left to do given that kind of circumstance, right? Well, they're not all going to get lucky like Fast and Furious did when Paul Walker died because he had a brother that looked exactly like him. So Not all white dudes look the same, Matt. He does look different. Come on. <laughs> okay. He does look a little different, but I mean, I, I, maybe it's just because nobody knows what any of the actors look like outside of Vin Diesel and Jordana Brewster. I mean, <laughs> I mean all the rest of them look – I mean, whatever. I mean, nobody pays attention to it. I'm – I'm sorry, Ricky. I'm picking on Fast and the Furious. I can't help it. But but um, you know what? L- while we're talking about Fast and Furious, like let's talk about spinoffs because there are things like you you forced us to, or was it Ricky or you? One of you guys forced I, me to watch a Hobbs and uh, Rock movie. What was it? It was it was either Shaw and Hobbs or Hobbs and Shaw. I can't what, remember. Whatever. So you guys made me watch that, and I was like, I don't watch Fast and the Furious movies, right? Like I think of another F word when it comes to those movies. So uh, I, I I had to watch that, and I'm thinking. Did it, did it require any understanding of the IP? But fortunately, it was Fast and Furious. So the only thing you have to know is, as you said, fast cars, explosions, and hot-looking people, right? Um, so, so when I watched that, I was like, okay, self-contained, it works. But then I'm thinking, did it even need to rely on any knowledge or any connection? Like, 
is this actually going to have any impact on my understanding of other Fast and Furious movies? Is this actually going to like advance the Fast and Furious saga? So it's not a sequel. What it was, what it was, was Fast and the Furious fan fiction is what it was. It used the same characters and names and stuff, but uh, was completely separate. It was written by somebody else and it was fan fiction is what it was. But we've seen that happen too. Like it, I, I think I think you're you're finding now that in some movies there are uh, very self-contained. Like, like let's look at the top movies, right? So we see like uh, Star Wars and Avengers and stuff. They make tons of money, and and of course they're able to continue sequels and stuff. But I'm gonna go straight to the heart of it, where when you have a movie like Titanic, really powerful movie, and it's it's kind of isolated. The other option for studios is to like, I'm not going to make a sequel because everyone dies at the end of that. Let's make prequels, right? And then it's like, okay, so I can honestly imagine like, you know how this ends. But let's see Jack and Rose before they actually got to the boat. And it's like, okay, fine. So I, I see that as another kind of trope that's going and a trend that's emerging where studios are saying, you know what? You didn't get enough of it in the first movie. Let's try to find a way to flesh out that story. Because let's be honest here. Um, if, if not for the fans, right, these movies wouldn't necessarily be made, right? And I think that there's a little bit of, like, uh, courtesy or fan service in order to kind of make sure that they can uh, – that the students can feed that need to go, well, what happened here? What are the gaps here, right? Like, I think that stuff is, is kind of sequel-ish as well, even though it's prequel. Um, and I think that they're, again, making money and squeezing money out of Dead Rock, right? Like, look, look, look at the whole, what was it, the Harry Potter franchise. So after that, they start, after the whole thing was done and Harry Potter was like all old and middle-aged at the end of that movie, then it's like, okay, let's talk about a prequel. What do you mean prequel? Like, he would have been like in, like, his father's testicles, his sperm or something. What are we talking about? And it's like, oh, it happens way before, and that's how you get the Fantastic Beats, Beast thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, the prequel thing is definitely something that is because they couldn't they couldn't continue the Harry Potter thing like afterwards because they did the ep, they did the whole epilogue thing. Yeah. And they couldn't get any of the actors to come back because I mean because she because J.K.R. did a like a like a ninth or a eighth book or whatever. It's called Cursed Child. It ended up on like, you know, it was a play. It was yeah. a play. Right. Um, and. People hate it. I mean, it was it, it was god awful. It was so bad. Um, but I, just last thing before we wrap up, Vince, I, we can't talk about sequels without talking about the company that is the pinnacle of all sequels, and that's Disney. <laughs> um, Lion King, Aladdin. Uh, I mean, you could just name Cinderella. Uh, Holy crap! I watched Cinderella, where it was like Back to the Future, Cinderella. I'm not yeah, even talking uh, about this. The, the the only franchise they have that seems to do really well with their sequels is Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but they've made like cars, like three or four cars. They've made um, like Pixar has done several um, like weird ass uh, movies. I mean, they did a, another one that they seem to have been at least somewhat successful was the How to Train Your Dragon. I think that's a Disney franchise. No, no, no. That's a, that's a I want to say Universal, but it's it's DreamWorks. DreamWorks. It's okay, DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Sorry, sorry. It's animated, so I just assume it's Disney. Yeah. I mean, Disney owns everything. But I mean, the point is, is that Disney seems to um, be very invested in the idea that sequels work, and they've done better. It seems like they've done better since like uh, to- since Toy Story came out. But before that, there wasn't any. There weren't any good Disney sequels. I mean, it was. I mean, I'm just. I'm gonna. P- p- I'm gonna pick on Aladdin here. They came back w- it with a, an Aladdin two. 
they got rid of the reason why Aladdin won work because they couldn't bring Robin Williams back. So they brought in the guy who did um, Homer Simpson yep. um, to be, play the genie, and it completely bombed. It, it, in fact, it was so bad when they did the third one, they <laughs> shelled out all the money they could to bring Robin Williams back, and it was still bad, but at least it was bad with Robin Williams, right? So, oh. um, and they did the same thing with uh, like. Did you know like there's like four Lion King movies? Yes, I actually did know that because I got kids. Um, there's but, like but, there, there's a Lion King like what two and a half or something. Like, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. Just, like, what the hell are you doing, Disney? That's 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 like say give me your money. I this this is just a. Uh, I mean, it could just like be okay, money so grab stop. central, right? Not, let me let stop. Pause. Let me explain to you because you're too young to remember this. Okay. Back in the old days, we didn't have this thing called the internet, okay? And what Disney did was they said, look, we got, we know that people like Aladdin, people like um, Mulan and all these other things. But the problem is that people don't like spending the big bucks on going to movie theaters. And also, we don't like investing in big bucks in getting the premium animators and stuff in North America to do this. Uh, instead, we'll send it out to, like, China or Korea to get done, right? So what happened was that you may recall – uh, Disney made a bunch of direct-to-video things. Direct to like that was how they made money. Like you, you may recall, like I'm not sure if you remember this, but they they would have releases. They'd be like, oh, it's gonna be back out of the Disney vault. We got Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, so you can actually Bambi, go and, yeah, yeah, Bambi. You can just take buy the buy it now because it's gonna be put back in the vault later. So that was there's a certain exclusivity that happened back then. And they realized that they were making a lot of money off, it, and it's like, wait, don't people already know Bambi and Snow White? So then they said, well, you know, people there's a hunger for uh, filling in that Aladdin or that Lion King niche, right? So then they went and did a whole bunch of these things, straight to video cassette or DVD, and then that's how they made a bunch of money off of like like lower production value and also even shab- shabbier stories, right? And and then it wasn't until the internet came about where like I think Disney realized that we can't do this because it's really diluting our brands. Like they've invested a lot of money into making the IPs of like Lion King and and the Aladdin as per the Disney version, right? So they didn't want to mess it up. So that's why. Um, you know, I, I think that they were successful and you're, you're, you're commenting on Toy Story. They knew that it was a lot of money back then. Toy Story was like in the late 90s again, where it was like the first foray into like digital animation stuff. So they Pixar and Disney had kind of paired up to do that. I don't think they wanted to mess it up. And you notice that unlike the other guys, like, you know, you're talking about crappiness of like to- uh, not Toy Story, but like cars and stuff. I think Toy Story would played it smart where they said, look, we've got a, a, a kind of like a motley crew or, or like an, a rogues gallery of, of, of good guys that we can actually work on. So they came out with the big movies, but then they have little shorts, right? Like you'd have a little like a five minute short of like, you know, um, the pig or the dinosaur or something. So like secondary characters and you used to be like, ah, oh, keep my it keeps my kind of fix for Toy Story, but it doesn't like spoil the big epic movie. That's why I think it's been successful. Uh, but you're right. It, like other movies like, you know, Cars and, um, you know, uh, what, are, what are some of the other crappy 3D Pixar uh, sequels? Was Monsters, was Monsters, Inc. one of them? Uh, Monsters, Inc. was – Monsters High wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. And I don't think it necessarily like was would be considered a failure. But, but I think in general, Pixar has been very good about that because they say, look, it's going to take a lot of time to do good quality 3D animation, right? Um, and, and as a result, they, they kind of say, look, if we're going to invest all that time and effort into it, let's do a good job of it, right? I don't know. That's my, that's my take on it. Yeah, it's just always when I think of sequels, I always think of Disney back in the, the 90s because of the, the – and you're, and you're right. I had completely forgotten that those were direct-to-movie because – like or direct-to 
probably directed v- yeah. VHS, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, uh, I'm not as young as you think I am, Vince. I remember VHS, <laughs> man. Um, I was alive in the 90s. Oftentimes, like, when you say, oh, Matt, you weren't alive to know this, but Vince, I was born in the 80s. <laughs> I wasn't born, like, in 2000. It's okay. <laughs> I'm I don't know, man. I'm, I teach too many kids nowadays where I'm like, hey, do you remember when Optimus Prime transformed into a truck? And they're like, wait, you know, he transformed into a gorilla first. And I'm like, what? So, yeah. I... <laughs> um, all right. I think that that's it. I think we've I mean, we talked about knives out for like, I don't know, half an hour. It was hilarious. Um, anyway, so if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at the Throughcast on Twitter. I'm at MTWB on Twitter. Vince is VWHUI. Ricky, who is not here, is completely MIA, and I don't know where the hell he's at. He's Ricky in a Williams one. Uh, he didn't show up, so we decided to bash Fashion the Furious. So that's just the way it works. Um, <laughs> uh, you can follow us on uh, Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Throughcast. You can follow us on uh, – I don't know where the hell you fall. So it's been so long since we've done an episode. I don't even remember what I'm supposed to be saying here. You can go to the threecast.com, I think, for stuff. Maybe. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Um, if, subscribe to us on Anchor, which is like, I think it's anchor.fm slash the threecast. Mm-hmm. Again, not sure. You'll find this stuff in the show notes. Uh, make sure you subscribe. And uh, uh, what we're doing next, uh, I don't know. I have no clue. Um, How about some COVID? <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll either talk about the COVID thing, which we were going to do this time. Where we're, we're waiting for Ricky to actually, you know, show up. Because Vince, you and I have done the last two COVID episodes by ourselves. I mean, it's, if it's just going to be us, it's going to be the, you know just rehashing stuff. We kind of want Ricky to weigh in on this stuff. Um, <laughs> if not, we'll do maybe we'll do the next Bond film. We'll try to do more than three Bond films this year. Um, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. So we, now we get into the Roger Moore Bond, right? Yeah, yeah, I. Th- I I can't. So we did. So we we did Connery, and then we skipped to the well, one George Lazenby, right? Yeah. And then, he, then we did the the last Connery one the last time, and then yeah, I think the, Roger Moore. That, yeah, because yeah. I, I that that's the Roger that's the James Bond that I know really well. Like I I watched like as a kid uh, the Sean Connery ones, but yeah, the Roger Moore ones I actually followed the plot. So yeah. All right. So yeah, those are the ones that are coming next. They'll be interesting because we've left. We've left the era of Connery behind. We're moving into the more, uh, I'd say, campy. Yeah, I'd also say more controversial bonds because um, they weren't. Like, it, at least there's the whole. I mean, we're gonna get into bonds. Probably. <laughs> uh, there's the whole kind of the, the idea in the world that Connery was very popular as Bond, and then the rest of them were kind of mad after that. At least until like. I don't know, Brosnan, I guess. I don't know. No, I, I think like Brosnan got, either. He got Hillary, too. I, I think Daniel Craig is the kind of guy that we're all looking at right now. Yeah. Um. And, and even he, I mean, he started out good, but the last one. All right, anyways, uh, that's it for us this time. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys.